leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and we are grateful to have this special guest return to the lounge today, Oleg Lohid. Oleg is the executive director of Overcoming Odds, a TEDx speaker, a fellow podcaster, and a great friend of mine. And if you have not heard episode 64, The Human Experience, I highly recommend you checking it out as Oleg shares his personal story, and we get into some deep, deep conversations how you doing bro i'm good i'm good thank you for that uh ongoing list of all the different things that i am i, I didn't even know half of those <laughs> <laughs> well well you know that's not even in- inclusive man you, you're so much more than that you, you're such an amazing human being brother and i'm so I'm so just grateful to be connected to you now thank you i'm always grateful to connect with you because it opens my eyes up to topics or things that I haven't seen before. Even right before we were hitting record on this particular episode, we're talking about this whole concept of adulthood. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I know you wanted to discuss me too, because I don't fully understand what that means. And so I figured what better way to gain some insights than to just share a space with someone else who might be in a similar boat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So it's something that I've been thinking about more and more. And I was like, I really want to talk about this on the podcast. Who would be a great person to be able to dive into it with? And immediately I was thinking, Oleg. (laughs) Like, I don't know where the conversation is going to go, but I know it's going to be awesome. You know what I mean? So I'm grateful you came on. But before we get started into the convo, what's going on in your neck of the woods, man? You got some big plans coming up. I do. I'm actually going to be hiking the Grand Canyon north to south next week. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm jealous <laughs> to accomplish that trip. It's it's still a quite the aspiration and just so much unknown about it. Mm-hmm. I went there previously in February to celebrate my birthday mm. and actually hiked it on my birthday. I didn't do it a full 24 miles. Huh. We did, I think it was 12, six out, six back. Okay. This one seems intense. Yeah. To be able to do the full 24. And, and I think this, not that I think I know this will be an experience that is really going to put my body to its limit. I've never yeah. done anything like this. Yeah. So I'm an idiot when it comes to uh, the Grand Canyon. What is there like a big <laughs> elevation change that you're going to have to be going through on that particular hike? There is. So you start off from the North Rim and it goes 14 miles down mm. and there's a little bit of flatland and then it's nine miles up. Oh wow! The biggest challenge, at least that we experienced, and we only did half of it the first time, is that the way down is really not that bad because mm-hmm. most of it is just your momentum carrying you through those steps. Yeah. On the way up, it's significantly more challenging because that's where your physical willpower has to kick in. Right. There is no momentum that's going to push you up a hill. You, mm-hmm. you have to progressively make, make those steps. Mm-hmm. And first mile or so, it's not that bad, but it's the second or third or fifth yeah. mile that really start to kick in. I mean, I remember there was a point along my hike when we were doing this in February where I literally had to lift my legs up. Yeah. <laughs> I had to carry them up. I right. kid you not. Mm-hmm. And then the last mile of that hike, I stopped and sat down every hundred steps. Wow. It was, it was so intense. It, yeah. It, it was the most exercise I've ever put on my body and in strain. And there were just so many different challenges within that. 
also ran out of water the last mile. So mm. just, it, the only option was to turn around and go back a mile to a rest stop. But that really wasn't a logical step to do. Mm-hmm. So I just kept going. And, and the other thing that changes is weather. Mm-hmm. Because the elevation is so high, let's say the first three quarters of a mile, you experience sunshine, 100 degree weather. The last quarter of a mile, it's snow. Wow. So you, you literally have to put on hats, gloves, sweatshirts, whatever you have to maintain yourself or to keep that warmth within you. And depending also on the time. So for example, we're going to try and start at four, 5 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. to accomplish a hike like that before right. sun, sunset. And last time we did it, my friends got stuck in the canyon. So they, oh. <laughs> they had to hike in the dark. Yeah. And that's just not an experience that I, yeah, <laughs> I don't enjoy hiking in the dark in an area that I don't know by heart. Right. Yeah. You might Especially need if it's some. a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's already narrow enough path. Yeah. Oh, and, and wildlife too, right? And wildlife that might wildlife, be out there. Yeah. <laughs> you're dizzy. Yeah. Your vision's not 100%. There's so many different factors. So mm. I don't know if that uh, contributes to my adulthood or if that means I'm adulting or not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it means is I'm still able to make reckless decisions. That <laughs> I do think that it does. And I think we'll probably dig into that because that's something mm-hmm. that um, that just kind of come to me as well. But I think that's pretty cool, man, that you guys are going to go do that. That's something that um, that I've, I've wanted to do. I've wanted to visit the Grand Canyon. That was actually on my plan for uh, 2020. And then this other thing happened in 2020 that kind of shifted <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> right. And um, but I think one of the biggest challenges I recently I hiked with my buddy up to um, this thing called Mail box peak in Washington state. And that was, um, just an amazing hike up, but there's definitely some parts where you're on your hands and knees climbing up some rocks, yeah. uh, which I found to be just awesome, fascinating, uh, you know, just just going up this thing. But I think a lot of people underestimate the difficulty of coming down on those peaks because yeah. um, when you're going up, yeah, it is a, it is a struggle, right? You're, you're climbing going up, but when you're coming down, depending on the um, just how steep it is, Mm-hmm. you have to really use your quad muscles and be care- and be careful. Right. Yeah. So you don't hurt yourself. And that's a different type of burn. Like the next day, my quads were burning and I know oh, it was yeah. because down, it wasn't because of up, you know? So that was, that was a wild trip down as well. Dude. I couldn't feel my legs. Yeah. <laughs> my, my toes were so bruised mm-hmm. that I had a bruise for three months. Yeah. Wow. There's nothing I can do about it <laughs> because I think for me, well, one of the things that happened was, and I, was very fortunate to have bought some quality hiking shoes before going on a trip like that. But mm-hmm. still I, the toes, it was, it's so much force mm-hmm. that you're putting right. on your legs and for so many miles. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I find fascinating and it's interesting that we're having this conversation as well about adulthood is when I think about an experience like that, and I think about other quote unquote adults that I know of, mm-hmm. many adults don't take experiences such as the one that I'm about to embark on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is that what is really expected of an adult? Is that mm-hmm. really what is to be shown as a sign of maturity to not take risks in life, to not pursue the things that you enjoy or are there other responsibilities and, and things that become a factor? So I've been fascinated with this topic because I look at these activities 
And no matter what age I am, I would thoroughly love to do this Mm -hmm. once a year, once a month, because that's the things, those are the things that in a way set my soul on fire. They, Mm -hmm. they put me in a position where I can actually live and experience life to the fullest. So I personally don't want to get to a point where I don't do things like this. I think yeah. it would take away from my own concept of what it means to be alive. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. So, yeah, so let's, let me frame this conversation a little bit for our audience. Um, when it comes to this adulthood that we're talking about, what happened was a little while ago, I started really pondering this thought of what it means to look at the world through adult eyes. And I started thinking about it more and having conversations with people. And I realized that that probably didn't start that long ago for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm turning 40 this year and I feel like I didn't really start seeing the world through adult eyes till if I'm being generous, maybe three or four years ago, to be honest with you, you know, yeah. and, and, and this, what, what am I defining you know, seeing the world through adult eyes as, and I think you and you and I kind of had a conversation before we hit record is neither one of us really fully know, but we know what it's probably not. And one of it's, it's not, it's not just hitting a certain age. It's not existing on this planet that makes you an adult. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I'm thinking, you know, my perspectives uh, might differ from yours and from other people's, but, but what is it, you know, what is it to you? Uh, mm-hmm. And what are some of those things that I think it's like, we talk about maturity as a thing. Oh, oh, when you're more mature, but what does that even mean? You know, what is maturity? What defines maturity? Um, and, and I'll, and I'll kind of jump around a little bit in the air force. Um, we often talk about, Oh, this person to be a leader, you need to have experience, but we automatically equate experience to longevity. Yeah. And I don't agree with that because sometimes you may have longevity, right? You may have seniority and that means technically you've had more experience in the profession or in the world, but does it mean it's good experience? Does it mean it's value added experience? And, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that. So I think that that also correlates to adulthood like yeah if you were if you're coddled all the way till you're 30 or you haven't matured in your perspectives and seen the world from a different view um, maybe your maturity isn't quite to where other people would consider it mature right so that's always uh, a little bit wild too to see where those perspectives are so i was on what what are your perspectives on it well i think for me very similar to what you described so when i first started quote unquote, becoming an adult or all of these definitions I was surrounded with, one of the very first ones was this concept of age. And mm-hmm. that is, it's by the time you get to a specific point, specific age within your life, that is when you become an adult. Mm-hmm. Through my own experience and through my own observations of other people who got to similar ages that I was described to, which was 18, 21, mm-hmm. 25, that didn't appear to be true because Mm -hmm. some of the people that I know myself included were still kids at those ages. Mm -hmm. So that's where that theory, so to speak, shattered itself. Then I started to approach it through the lens of experience. Is it the experience? Is it the experience that you receive along the journey? And then what I started to realize is that experience in my opinion is not enough. Because it's one thing to be able to go through life and, as you said, to exist, but it's a whole other thing to be able to take a step back and reflect upon those experiences and really understand it on your own terms 
as well as try and articulate the lessons and the takeaways from those experiences. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, and this is a, something that a friend of mine, Casey Berman, had shared with me that mm. has literally become a part of my DNA, so to speak, to this day. And that is all events are neutral. If you really think about it, mm. all of the experiences, all the events that we go through from day to day, they're neutral. They carry no meaning. The difference is that what is the meaning that you choose to project onto them? Mm -hmm. So I can wake up, go through my day-to-day -day routine and not be able to put any sort of reflection on why am I doing these things versus questioning all of these things and, at, and putting myself in a position where I can ask that question, why is this important? Why do I wake up and choose to express gratitude? Mm -hmm. Why do I wake up and choose to eat a healthy meal? Well, how does that contribute to the remainder of my day? So I think what contributes to in my opinion, being an adult, it's reflection. It, it is partially experience. It's about being able to put yourself in different situations or different events or a variety of events. But at the same time, it's also about being able to take the time and reflect upon them. The other thing that I think is fascinating to me and something that you brought up, which I would love to explore, and it's this concept of awareness. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed myself doing, and I think I've noticed myself doing this a couple of years ago, but whenever I would get into some of these more emotionally charged conflicts, for example, mm -hmm. I play basketball a couple of times a week and with COVID, obviously we didn't play. So we just started picking it back up within the past two or three weeks. And we mm -hmm. played a game here and there. And the most recent game we played on Tuesday, I think one of the people that we were playing with, he just was, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. He got very upset at all of us and started screaming and yelling. And I realized in that moment, I remember just being on the court and playing the game, having to pause to deal with this conflict, but also having this realization that, okay, I have really two options to deal with a situation here. A, I could respond with the same energy and meet him where he's at. Mm -hmm. which I did for part of that. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is I literally stopped talking. I stopped talking because I caught myself in that moment that, okay, how is this really serving the situation? Right. How is me meeting him with anger going mm -hmm. to resolve this conflict? Mm -hmm. Because what he's experiencing doesn't necessarily have to be what I'm experiencing. Right. He might be experiencing something that's completely unrelated to basketball and he just had to show up to the court to release a lot of that tension and stress. Absolutely. And so the way that he's doing it is that through the trigger of whatever caused it, and then mm -hmm. he's releasing it on us, but I'm responding it to the basketball itself. I'm not responding it to what's happening outside mm -hmm. of that game for him. So in that moment, I realized this brief glimpse of awareness and understanding that I have a choice in how I deal with the situation. The challenge outside of that was driving back home and thinking about it <laughs> endlessly thinking about what right. could I have said? Why was he that upset? Literally pulled out a journal when I got back and wrote mm -hmm. three or four pages straight nonstop, just processing mm -hmm. the situation. So how does this relate to being an adult? I think how it relates to being an adult, I think how it rates, if anything, how it relates to being a mature human being is in my opinion, it's taking the time to reflect upon an experience because I don't think existence is enough. Mm -hmm. And the second is having this level of self-awareness where I'm able to 
draw myself out of some of these situations. And I think how I've been able to do it is I look at myself as a character with a variety of hats that I Mm. wear. Mm. So reaffirming myself that this is just a character. This is just one hat that I'm Mm. wearing right now on the basketball court. Mm. This is not the ultimate person that has to show up moving forward. So that's how I started to understand it. But it's an interesting topic that you bring up. And I think it's a great conversation because I think so much about that topic goes undiscussed. So much of it is just truly quote unquote accepted or assumed. Mm -hmm. We assume that by the time you get to a particular point, you're an adult, right? We assume that by the time you hit your thirties, you know how to pay off your bills. (laughs) We assume by the time you're 40, you know how to purchase a house. We assume by the time you're 50, you know how to get an IRA. I don't know any of that. Right. So where am I ever going to get that information unless I have a conversation with someone? Right. Help me realize it. Right. So instead of creating my own assumptions of what I had to accomplish by a particular point in life, I just started to realize that I have so much more to learn. And the more open I am to learning, regardless Mm -hmm. of what age you might be, the higher the chances of that actually happening. Well, you know, and I think you break up a great point when you just said that I don't know any of that. I think that's the first step to maturity, right? It is understanding that there's more that you don't know than you do know, right? And for me, I think um, we talk about wisdom and I think wisdom for me, I I realized that, and I'm a work in progress continuously, but I felt like I was at least reaching some level of wisdom when I realized the more I learn, the more broad the plane of my own ignorance is. You know, I, I realized that, man, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just the truth. And, and being able to be honest with oneself that that's the truth is, is like that first step of that awareness you talked about in maturity. Because I think a lot of times it's ego that keeps us in an immature state. Mm-hmm. Right. It keeps us in those moments where um, and, and your your example of the basketball situation where the guy is kind of bowing up, having up, you know, he's having issues. Well, for us, um, specifically as males in, in that situation, we may feel the need to show how manly we are. Yeah. Our power. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Right. And to elevate the situation and not feel like I'm being stepped on. And I think humans in general probably would, would respond in some, somewhat somewhat uh, similar fashion, but I know from a male perspective, because I am male, that's something that I know I'm familiar with. And then, and then all the way on the way home might even be thinking, well, did, did I prove myself? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Same and and right. Right. So those are all things that kind of happen. And I think that the big thing is being able to reflect back and think about it. And I think when it comes to experience, just that, that, that notion of existence equals, you know, maturity. I think that there's a correlation to the time on earth gives you more opportunities to gain good experience, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's causal, right? It doesn't mean it's going to yeah. happen. Right. And it takes mm-hmm. deliberate intention and also not just um, from yourself, but other people to show you some things and you being receptive to it. And I think that that's yeah. a huge part of just starting to adult in life. I think the other thing that plays a component in it, as you were sharing it, it made me think of this, <clears throat> When I think about, quote unquote, being an adult, the thing that comes to mind is being able to accept the situation for what it is without Mm -hmm. having to mask any details about it. Mm -hmm. 
I know one of the areas that I found it very difficult to talk about for many years is this concept of finances, Hmm. especially in situations where certain things, whatever life happens sometimes and life puts these obstacles along, along the way, in my opinion, to help me learn and better understand elements of myself as well as elements of the external exterior world. And what I realized was that finances was an area that took me many, many years to get comfortable in talking about outside of my parents, outside Mm -hmm. of people that I trusted that can support me in particular ways. And what I've ultimately learned from that journey is that the more I suppressed the topic, the more that I suppressed the feelings that came with money, attainment of money, not having enough money, the more those things manifested. Mm. It was just, it was ultimately the truth of that particular situation. So the more that I suppressed the fact that I didn't have X number of dollars in my bank account. In fact, I still remember days when I didn't have anything in my bank account. I even mm-hmm. took a screenshot. I have it saved in my email somewhere. The time where I had a negative balance, mm. I had a negative balance in my bank account. And yet I chose to share that with other people, my friends included to create a space for me to accept myself. That's Mm. ultimately what I was doing. And so for many years, I struggled with that because I thought similar concept that you and I are discussing that, okay, I'm at this particular age. Why don't I have it figured out? Mm -hmm. What are other people going to think of me if I share this? And once again, I'm at this point in my life, are they going to think of me differently? Right. Are they still going to look at me as a child who doesn't know how to manage or whatever it is, when the reality of the matter is you don't fully know the full story until you ask the question, Mm -hmm. how did you get here? What were the things that contributed to this particular moment? Because not everyone who has financial struggles gets there the same exact way. Right. Some people have unexpected events that put them in a hospital with a medical bill that is simply that they cannot pay. Absolutely. So that's not really a lack of management. Mm -hmm. That's not a lack of not having a budget or a spreadsheet for some things that you can't play, can't plan out. I I remember I was having a conversation with a, it was a car agent for, I don't remember which insurance company, but essentially she described to me the concept of accidents in a really fascinating way. She's, the way that she understands it is that it's not a question of when it's not a question of if it's a question of when. Yeah. And I never fully understood that. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that has to do with how I've conditioned myself to be. And that's this invincible person, someone who cannot get hit by whatever it is that has to come along my way. And so over time, through reflection, through awareness, through seeing similar patterns repeat themselves, I realized that, okay, maybe I can get hit. And maybe I can get hit by some of these things that I don't expect. So I don't think it's always about a matter of developing these quote unquote, perfect, healthy habits. I don't think it's always a a matter of being able to do all of these things to the T to prevent some of the circumstances, because the reality of the matter is this. When I think about my own life, I ask myself the question of what about this experience? Do I believe I can truly control? 
Right. And it's exactly as you described. I think I know everything and all of a sudden I know, I know nothing. Right. I have no idea how you're going to respond. I have no idea who's going to knock on my door in the next 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. what they're going to say, how I'm going to react to them. So there's so many unknowns that I'm constantly working with. And the point that I'm getting to is I think simply saying it that, okay, just be an adult, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't right. actually help. It doesn't answer it anything for me. If I am having a financial problem and someone says, well, just be an adult, figure it out. What does yeah. that mean? Right. Where do right. we start? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. I start with the first part of the statement, being an adult. But once again, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the finance thing, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but when it comes down to the finance thing, it frustrates me because we spend so much time telling people that they need to have this many X months of, of, uh, of pay as a savings, you know, and, and for young men and women coming up in the world, that's just not realistic. That's like it's telling, not. that's like telling Dude, somebody years. Yeah. Yeah. About that savings account. Yeah. And in addition, it also takes some maturity to be able to be disciplined enough to do it on top of all those things. And then some probably luck that nothing bad happened during those times where you had to like what you talked about, like to have to shell out a bunch of money. So um, it's tough to say that. And I think that it, it's like telling someone, Hey, um, I know you're not in really great shape, but go ahead and climb Mount Fuji tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. and expecting that they're going to succeed in, in that endeavor. Uh, so I think it's more important that we kind of break that down into realistic milestones, you yeah. know, <laughs> and it takes a lot of uh, education beforehand. But I think that does kind of tie to what makes it so difficult to talk about finances. Well, mm-hmm. it's really to me when it comes to being an adult you stop, and I don't mean completely, but you stop caring so much about what others think about you. Um, To me, I think it's more like you start realizing the group of people that you should care about what they think about you versus just everybody, right? You start discerning that group of people. And that's what I noticed was, you know, when I was um, less mature and seeing the world through, to, to, to me, honestly, a child's eyes, I was worried about what everybody thought about me. Yeah. You know, everybody. But then as I've matured, I've also realized that I can't just say I don't care about what other people think about me because that's not real. We, we do as humans care oh, about yeah. what other people think to about a degree, me for sure. Right. But I've, I've narrowed that down to people that really matter. Right. And, and I figured that piece out. And I think that's a major part of starting to adult in life. I'm the same exact way. I've even broken down my network into different buckets. And Scott Mason played a tremendous role in helping me figure this one out. Mm -hmm. The whole concept of first, second, and third degree. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out the frequency for when to stay in touch with each one and stuff like that. To touch back on an earlier point you had made. So I'm 28 years old. And it was actually this year when I was able to pay off my credit card. Mm -hmm. I kid you not. Mm -hmm. This is how many years it took me to pay it off completely get it down to a zero, 0.00 balance. Mm-hmm. It was a huge relief. At the same time, it was a huge realization of this concept that for some people, it might've taken however many years to pay it off. For me, this is how long it took me. Mm-hmm. Because not every single person in the same circumstances. And the other point that you made, which I think is worth mentioning again, it's this concept of being able to start a career and build some of these other assets around it 
it takes time for mm-hmm. most people. Yes. Some people might be able to figure out quicker than others, but for most people that I know of, it takes significant amount of time to build some of these major assets. And in fact, I'm 28. I know people who are still building it at 56. Yeah. I know people who are still building it at 70 mm-hmm. because that concept of career reinvention, in my opinion, it's not like you pick a career and you follow that until the day you die. That's no longer the reality of the world. Right. The reality of the world is that you will probably have multiple careers throughout your life, which I also kind of find kind of funny because I bet on any career day that you sit in, you're not going to be told the concept that, hey, pick a career for now. You right. will change this career moving forward. Right. It's more of presented along the lines of pick one career and follow it. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you have to transition? Mm-hmm. What happens when you make a pivot? What happens when that accounting job no longer fits your own job description? What if you're outgrown it? So that's where I think there are major challenges within situations like that, as far as how do you transition out of certain adult phases of your life? And then the other part that I think you found that I found fascinating what you were sharing is when it comes to being able to put some of these plans into action, so to speak. I'm a huge advocate of plans. Mm-hmm. I love planning. I'll break down everything to a T in a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. The challenge and the problem of that is that plans vary. Right. Because tomorrow I might have a conversation with someone who can help me resolve half of that plan, mm-hmm. literally, or someone who can help me solve the whole thing through a connection or through a resource that they can share of their own. So, what do you do in that moment? You got to go back to the drawing board and then you got to replan. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it happens for you, but for me, I still experience the frustration. I still experience the overwhelm Mm -hmm. because I think to myself that, damn, I just figured all this out yesterday. Yeah. Now I got to do it again. And then I got to do it again and again and again. So I think maybe another component to what it means to be an adult is being able to understand how do you transition between some of these different phases? Yeah. And how do you accept what you believe to be true? And ultimately, I think the third thing that you hinted towards, and that is what do you value? What's really mm-hmm. important in your life? And who are the people that contribute towards that vision? For me, in recognizing that about people, and I, I did, um, I'll be curious to hear the test that you did to really figure out who are the people that you can count on. So I did this thing a couple of years ago when I was going through different challenges of my own. I went through my phone list and I literally just reached out to every person, mm. <laughs> every contact. Yeah. Some situations I even copied and pasted the message because, you know, it was a real matter. So like why rewrite the same text mm-hmm. 500 times? Yeah. So I did that and I realized a very important lesson. I had 500 contacts and only five people responded. Mm-hmm. True story. Wow. Five people yeah. out of 500 responded. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I realized that what's the point? Yeah. I'm trying, what am I building? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm building a phone book with a list of names that don't even choose to take the time to respond. Yeah. Even say, no, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. Or give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reaction is, whatever the response. And I realized in that moment, the importance of not trying to maintain all of these relationships. Right. 
that truly aren't meant to be maintained in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but more so focusing on those five who showed Mm -hmm. up for you and continue to show up. And I think that's one of the other challenges. I don't know if this necessarily relates to being an an adult or anything, but as you think about it, as I think about my own journey and building on some of these platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all Mm. these other social media networks and focusing on the quote unquote followers and, Mm -hmm. and the number increase. My question still remains the same as I first started. Why does this matter? Mm-hmm. Why is this important to me? Mm-hmm. Is 6,000 connections really any different than 100 connections? Right. Right. If it's yeah. 6,000 people I've never met, and even if I reached out to them, I've never heard from them. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah. What's the actual value that I'm creating in that situation? So maybe that also goes to some component of being an adult, having that awareness. Yeah. I think, um, there's a piece to it for sure, because in, in the way I interpret that and I kind of go through the same thing is I, I find myself less attached to uh, what uh, James VP will say, vanity metrics, <laughs> you know, he'll call them vanity metrics is like what your numbers and stats look like, whether it's you're running a podcast and how many listens you have and all that stuff. They're really, um, they're really there to try to make you feel better about yourself or, yeah. or, or show that you're, you're doing certain things. And, and there's a lot of other reasons that are probably more, um, more in a monetary world and all that. But if, if you really care about that and you get so sucked into those things, I do think it's a sign of immaturity, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, maturity, but when it comes down to the maturity of your example too, of the test that you use to see the people that are um, closest to you, I don't think I've, um, I've ever used a test like that. And um, I don't think that's something that I would necessarily do, but I do think that a, a part of that maturity is like knowing for me, um, let's say I did the same thing you did and it got the, mm-hmm. the five responses. Um, there's definitely a layer of that to me. It's like, okay, cool. So I know these five people, but then there's another level of awareness beyond that. It was like, well, were they the five people just happen to have some time on their hands? And then the yeah. other, <laughs> you know, 495 people were uh, just extremely busy. So there's that ne- next layer of thought, right. That, that I, I know you go through that I go mm-hmm. through. It's like, what's beyond that. So it's kind of like going through that. And I think younger me would have took it at face value, right? I would have been like, ah, these are the only people that are ride or die. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Right. And other, so there's a layer <laughs> behind that. And also, I think another thing that I kind of learned about um, as I started looking at the world through more adult eyes is that it's not any, there's no value judgment on those people that maybe they, they were in my life for a reason then. And now I'm in a season now where maybe that's, it's okay that we're not as close anymore. Um, yeah. and, and that's fine. Um, there was some reason why we connected for that brief moment, you know, whatever that might be. And then and when it comes to relationships, something else that I think just recently kind of came up when I was talking to uh, my significant other, um, we were talking about how in long-term relationships, you can't be so enamored with the person that you were with, at the beginning of the relationship, because we are constantly growing daily. So we have to realize that those are things that we have to pivot in relationships as well on how we approach things. And those are all, I think, kind of things when it comes to relational uh, maturity, you know? Yeah. It's great that you shared that. I think for me, what I've learned through you sharing it is the importance of not striking people out. And, And that's something that I actually 
was very fortunate not to do because mm-hmm. even in giving many of these people multiple situations to respond or whatever right. it was, I realized that every single one of them has their own value. I think mm-hmm. for me, the important factor that I figured out through that experience is now I know who the five people are that I can go to right. for this particular mm-hmm. situation or a mm-hmm. similar one to come. For other situations, there might be others within that <clears throat> phone book that can make Mm-hmm. They can still provide value. For example, if it's a connection to someone or being able to solve a particular quick, mm-hmm. easy problem that I might be experiencing, I know who to go to there. So I, I think the other important thing that I've learned throughout my own journey is the is the concept of cancel culture. Mm, right. I think cancel culture is real. <clears throat> I don't think it's talked about as much. At least I don't hear it through the mediums that I pay attention to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the conversation doesn't take place. It's just that I haven't come across it. Mm-hmm. I think cancel c- culture is real. And I think it's more real than I even conceptualize it to be. Mm-hmm. I think in today's day and age, in my opinion, it's so easy to cancel people out. Mm-hmm. You don't respond to a met- message canceled. Right. You don't return my phone call canceled yeah, yeah you don't respond to my email within yeah. the five minutes after i sent it to you yeah. canceled you disagree with me <laughs> yeah, right you disagree right. with me canceled. yeah yeah you post something on facebook I, once again i don't agree with mm-hmm. canceled unfollowed it's so easy to do it and it's not to say that there's no there's no value in doing actions like that because i do believe that in certain situations certain actions at least in my opinion need to be taken for example, I'll, I'll give you one example. Sometimes when I see myself scrolling through different platforms and I see comments or things that not necessarily I disagree with, because I think it's great to have topics that agree to disagree moments. Yeah. But I think there there are topics that just straight up cross the line. Right. There's, just, there's no coming back from it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a racist remark or whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. or putting someone down. So those moments for me, I realized that, okay, once again, I, I can go a couple of different routes. A, I can engage with this person mm-hmm. and quote unquote, fix them, try to help them see differently. Mm-hmm. Or B, I could just pat, keep going. Mm-hmm. The, not necessarily, I don't know if it's the danger, but more so this, the multiple sides to those decisions is that if I let those comments pass, then it's on my conscious that someone else is going to be, be reading those comments and possibly accepting that as the truth mm-hmm. for that particular matter. Right. And then the other part is if I engage, well, now I put myself in the pot and I'm mm-hmm. going to have to figure it out later how to process all these emotions and whatever else that comes from it. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting dilemma that I experience quite a bit and I haven't figured out a way to work through it. I yeah. have considered, I'm like, okay, maybe I unfollow everyone, every <laughs> single person I know. So that way, yeah. when I go on the feed, I see nothing but ads. Right, right. Which those, they don't yeah. really spark any debate or conversation. Yeah. It's more so, do you want to buy these headphones or yeah. that phone? Yeah. Which I'm, I've, I've trained myself not to pay attention to with the same level that I used to. Uh-huh. So unfollowing everyone, that's really not the route to right. either. Mm-hmm. Because then I feel like I'm going to be even more disconnected. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to experience even more tension. So I don't know personally the quote unquote adult workaround that yeah. situation. Yeah. I would be curious to hear how you do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you do when you see a comment 
that you know it's not a agree to disagree moment right blatantly disagree there's such as like Mm -hmm. are there certain things in your life that you feel like someone says that there's truly no coming back from yeah i I, absolutely absolutely and um so for me i think that you kind of touched on something that i think is a major component of of adulthood like really seeing that maturity is honing our discernment right to be able to discern between um, times where maybe we need to engage and not engage discern between what we can influence and what we really can't influence very much for the amount of time that we're going to invest in it right and time and energy as well as we you talked a little bit about you know just people in general right like discerning who are these people in our lives right what 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 value do they bring um, to us and what value do we bring to them? Right. Cause I think that's, that's a mutual mm-hmm. uh, relationship. Right. So those are things that I think that we don't spend enough time identifying and teaching people at a, a younger age that, that this concept of discernment. And um, I think that when I started and by no means have I mastered it and I won't, <laughs> the day I die, I'll still be having trouble with Full this, disclaimer. but <laughs> right. Right. I, I think that um, just being able to discern through those um, different situations is important. So I, I like to um, quote this thing that uh, TD Jakes um, talked about was that the people in your lives and the seasons that you live. And one of them, he, he, he talks about the difference between confidants, constituents and comrades. And he says, confidants are that the very small group of people that you can trust with anything. You can be hundred percent yourself. Yeah. You can be vulnerable with, um, and, and those, and those you should, you know, feel blessed with, but you should feel blessed with the other people too, because the constituents are people that are just happen to be on the same mission you're on in life at that moment. And once that mission's over, they're probably going to disengage and you're going to disengage. And, uh, and comrades are just people that have the same enemy that you have. <laughs> so you guys, <laughs> so y'all are on the same, same task, you know, and you're okay. And you're communicating then. And the biggest issue that we have when it comes to suffering is unmet expectations and unmet expectations occur when we, we think they're a confidant, but they're really a constituent, but we treat yeah. them like a confidant and then they let us down. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that's really important to kind of dig into for us to like understand who are these people in our lives? What season mm-hmm. are we in? And, and, and be okay with it. And don't add judgment to it. Don't get upset that you attached meaning to this relationship that wasn't actually there. Yeah. <laughs> and don't blame them for that. that. That's you. You did that. You know yeah. what I mean? And a lot of times, and I think that's a huge part of just that relational intelligence that we kind of d- dug into a little bit. And it, it kind of relates to the whole, mm-hmm. you start looking at it, right? And then you have to, you're looking at your Facebook feed or whatever, and you see these people posting some stuff that's questionable, you don't agree with, and you're okay with. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, okay, I might just keep scrolling, right? I'm like, uh, you know, because I value the relationship more than I disagree with, uh, that yeah. value the disagreement, exactly. right? I'll just keep yeah. scrolling. But you know, there are things I don't want to go to full extremes, but if someone's talking about it's okay to watch kitty porn, I'm not just scrolling. <laughs> you know what I mean? I might engage with them as like, what are you talking? Did someone hack into yeah. your account? But if they yeah. really believe that, then I can't be connected with that person, you know, cause yeah. that, 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 that truly violates my values, you yeah. know? And I think that's where, uh, that's where the next step is. Okay. We can't be connected. If this is what you really believe in, you know, if you believe racism is okay, you know, and I know we're talking about extreme things here, then, Mm -hmm. then I can't be associated with you anymore. Yeah. No. You know, the other thing that I, I love that you brought up this whole concept of the stages of a relationship, 
mm-hmm. age clearly shows that I have a lot more growing to do on my own in mm-hmm. those phases because what I've tried to do and still do to a degree, but I begin to understand the concept the way that you described it is that I seek out for that highest version in mm. every person. Yeah. So I don't accept just this person for being someone that I'm solely connected with on LinkedIn and we mm-hmm. touch base once a year, every 10 years, whatever yeah. the frequency is. Right. I want to quote unquote convert everyone to that space. <laughs> right. I want to convert everyone to the point where I can just pick up the phone and say, yeah. hey, Joe, this is what's happening and have mm-hmm. a conversation as I do with some of my other close friends. Right. So that's something that I personally, I know have I have found myself striving towards mm-hmm. and talk about unmet expectations. It was an expectation I was setting for everyone. Right. Constantly falling on my butt because uh-huh. it's not working out that way. Right. Not everyone wants to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. Not everyone likes you as a person. Not everyone agrees with you. Mm-hmm. And I realized that recently that especially as the number of people that I've connected with increased drastically, it got to the point where I had to make that judgment call. Mm. I had to have that realization that I'm striving for something that's truly not possible. I'm striving to have everyone be my best friend and have the options to call any one of these people at any given moment when the reality of the matter is that's just not a thing. Yeah, That's not how the world works in many Mm. of the situations. I do believe there's a lot of truth between situational friends. I do believe there was a lot of Mm -hmm. truth between friends who are there, regardless of what the situation is. I personally know because this is an area that I'm actively working in. I find that to be really challenging to accept that as a truth about life. The fact that there are such things as situational friends, friends that you would only play basketball, basketball with, but you wouldn't Mm -hmm. go get a beer with Yeah, the friends that you would do this, but you wouldn't do that. Like Mm -hmm. I struggle with that. And I think part of the reason why I struggle with it is because I try to be whole in all of my relationships, really try to show up for that person as Mm -hmm. well as myself. So I don't believe that in showing up in this particular conversation that I'm going to hold back from anything. Mm -hmm. Like that's just a personal way that I operate. Right. But at the same time, I know that other people operate differently. So the, the, the people that I play basketball with, they might never have a conversation like this with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, oh, like I would say that you're on a very short list of people that I can have this conversation with, you know, and I think, um, and that's for a lot of different reasons, but I think that it's easy for us to project um, that expectation on others when we're capable of, of, you know, living to that expectation ourselves. So, yeah. you know, like, cause, cause if you, you may have a much bigger plate when it comes to being able to take on oh, <laughs> more, sure. right. Yeah. Than, than other people when it comes to relations, uh, relationships, because some people are very limited. They can only maintain three relationships, maybe, you know, at a time where other people can somehow effectively manage, you know, 10, 20, 30, you know, I don't know if there's a superhuman out there that's able to do a hundred, you know, hundred, hundred relationships and give them all the attention that they need. It's not me, you know, <laughs> it's definitely not me, <laughs> but you know, I think we, uh, we sometimes, and I think that is a part of maturity, right? Like identifying that, okay, there's a difference, you know, some people are able to deal with more relationships and effectively maintain them better than others. And then, and I don't hold, I don't hold judgment on people that can't you know it's just 
the way that they are, yeah. you know? So I think that's, that's something that I, I also struggle with from time to time too. Um, and I think the, uh, the pandemic actually affected some of that because oh, and all people, yeah, yeah, some people pulling back and you're like, well, I thought we were this close. You know what I mean? Like, well, but I'm not obviously part of your family unit. Like I might've thought I was yeah. because of this situation, which is okay. And then maybe I got a little bit irritated by it, but then later I thought about, I was like, no, I need to be more mature about this situation. There's other things going on, you know? And, and, yeah. uh, and I had to move past it, but I definitely had my moment there. <laughs> oh yeah. I also think that meeting someone through a virtual world, is just a completely different dynamic yeah. than meeting them in person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think one is necessarily better than the other because I have met some pretty incredible human beings that I can actually call friends solely mm-hmm. through the power mm-hmm. of Zoom. You mm-hmm. included, yeah. Scott, yeah. Mm-hmm. another couple of my friends. And in fact, the only way that even Scott and I met have been through Zoom or phone. That's it. Mm-hmm. Never seen sure. each other in person. Mm-hmm. So I think there's tremendous power within that. But at the same time, and the same is true when meeting someone in, in person and you just know instantly that, okay, this is probably not a friendship that I will be a part of for X, Y, and Z reasons. Right. <clears throat> Drawing that line, understanding that perspective of every single person serves a role in your life in one way or another, even if it is the one-time encounters who can just mm. say one word right. that you're going to be thinking about for the rest of the day. I don't know if that ever right. happens to you. It happens oh, yeah. to me all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. The person says one sentence mm-hmm. and I will never meet that person again or never have to this point. Right. And yet I'm still thinking about it right? because there's so much truth in what they said. So I do believe in the concept that everyone does provide value to your life and you mm-hmm. truly do meet everyone at the time that you were meant to. Mm-hmm. The challenge, I think, and maybe that goes back to the whole human experience of what it means to be a human, mm-hmm. it's that desire to hang on. It's the desire yeah. to attach. Mm-hmm. It's the desire to be part of a larger puzzle by being connected and not right. being a soul piece floating somewhere out there in the universe and not understanding what is that larger picture. Yeah. How am I connected to Joe to create this ultimate puzzle that we're building mm-hmm. instead you're on your own floating somewhere, not connected yeah. to anything. I think that's a harder concept to grasp for a human yeah. being, in my opinion. Yeah. And it takes a lot of perspective to be able to look back at those things, right. To, to, to identify yeah. that that's a possibility. Cause I think that's a, that's a big deal, you know? Uh, and you know, something else that you just, that you just said that kind of spurred a thought to me is seeing things differently, right? Like I think that when we're less mature um, yeah. and we're, we see things that it should be a roadmap one, two, three, four, five, but actually seeing life more like a systems view of it's all over the place. Yeah. It, I think that comes with maturity as well. And, and just a quick example is what you said that when that one person says one thing and you think about it forever and that's five years down the road, you're still thinking about that one thing. There are yeah. numerous things like that for me. And I consider that mentorship. Right. And and I think that most people will see mentorship. No, this is an engagement that you have with somebody that's deliberate. And and you're no, it's like, no, that person was a mentor to me because they brought a different view perspective that I find value in without them even knowing. (laughs) I think the people that I've seen as mentors to me probably would never consider themselves a mentor to me. You know, I've told them, but they would say, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. We're just friends or whatever. You know, I was like, no, your example of what you set by doing these things 
mentored me. You know, it wasn't a formal engagement, but it was just by you doing. And I realized that there, there's a lot of truth to that in many things in life. You know, it's, it's not just in the box. This is what it's supposed to be. It could be many different things, whether it's teaching mentorship relationships and everything else. And I think that was a big um, eye opener for me uh, that I felt like, okay, when I hit this maturity level, I realized, oh, no, there, it's not always has, it doesn't, all, everything doesn't have to be framed a certain way. There's many different right. ways it can be done. Correct. I also think with mentorship, there's, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm probably going to have to look at that as a topic to explore, mm-hmm. but there's a challenge that I've experienced and I know other people have experienced as well. And that's asking someone to be their mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what you just described in looking at every single situation as an opportunity to be mentored or Mm -hmm. to be a mentor to someone else, that's a fascinating way to look at it because then I'm not attached to one particular individual to give me all the advice that I'm seeking for, Mm -hmm. but rather I'm seeking wisdom across the board, Mm -hmm. which if anything, I think it amplifies the whole concept of what it means to be a mentor because I'm able to draw from a significantly larger pool of data yeah, or lessons or takeaways about life mm-hmm. than having to depend on one person's experience, which in a way is limited. Yeah. Your experience is only limited to what you've experienced mm-hmm. as well as mine. Right. Same thing goes with perspective. Mm-hmm. My perspective is limited to my experience. Right. So what better way to, to increase the sample size, but to include more people within that realm? Yeah. And to look at every single person as a possible mentor or someone that can teach you about an experience that your go-to mentor mm-hmm. doesn't have an experience around. Yeah. And it's not even attached to age. Like I'd be mentored by a 22 year old that can show me a little bit more about, um, about engineering audio, you know what I mean? Than I do. By <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, dude, how to live life and how, right. to, enjoy and how to be in the moment. Right. And just by watching an example, right. You just watch them and you're like, and that, and that's what, um, I think that that's a huge part of adulthood is like getting to that person, that, that level of understanding, you know what I yeah. mean? To be able to frame things differently. Um, but you know, I get, something I get else. mentored by my dog. Day, <laughs> oh, like, true. Right. I mean, like you look at a dog and they show you affection, you know, oh, every day he teaches yeah, me yeah, something. It's like, yeah, yeah. How'd Uncon- you wake up with this lesson yeah, plan? Yeah, unconditional love. You're like, oh, yeah. how do how do I be more like him? You know, what <laughs> I mean? yeah, but but for sure. But you know, something else that I wanted to dig into. Um, maybe just two more places mm-hmm. we can go. Uh, one more was going back to your Grand Canyon. Um, you know, endeavor. Mm-hmm. I think becoming an adult was a part of that was also putting myself in situations I knew were going to be extremely challenging where when I was younger, I would put myself in situations where I knew I was going to succeed. Yeah. Uh, and I think I had to do a self-esteem because I didn't want to fail. I, w- I was more open to putting things into where, uh, putting myself into situations where I was uncomfortable. Um, there was definitely an opportunity to fail and that um, I wasn't going to be the best at it. And I think mm-hmm. that's a huge part of maturity as well, being willing mm-hmm. to do that. Yes. At the same time, I think this is something that I'm learning right now mm-hmm. or attempting to learn in those situations. I think it's equally as important to know one's limitation. Mm-hmm. I don't personally know it. I don't yeah. know it just yet. Yeah. I don't know my true. own limitation as it comes to heights. Mm-hmm. I don't know my own limitation as it comes to hiking however many mm-hmm. miles in a particular day. Right. Which I'm going to test out and see if it's possible. But yeah, that's the that's one of those things where I think 
it's an important thing to know what mm-hmm. is your limitation because and it's not necessarily your the limitation that you put that I put on myself through my mind, but it's more so just physical limitation of the body. Yeah. Like there's got to be that thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't just keep hiking for 50,000 miles yeah. and without a break. Right. You have to do some of these things to recharge, just like you have to recharge the batteries of mm-hmm. your phone or a computer yeah. or whatever it is. So I think it's, it's important to, in my opinion, to know those limitations it's great to be able to push past them once you recognize them, but mm-hmm. without recognition, that could also lead to some unintended consequences, mm-hmm. consequences that I might not have planned for. For example, if my body due to whatever thing is physically not capable of making a 24 mile hike and mm-hmm. I stop at 12 miles yeah. and I'm going to try and push past it, am I really doing more good or am mm-hmm. I causing more harm? Yeah. Yeah, what I if think my you, legs physically can't do it? What yeah. if you don't have a muscle to do a particular activity and yet you keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing yeah. and just realizing that you're literally limited in that capacity. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. You can't just rehydrate and grow a muscle in two minutes, yeah. 24 hours. That's not a mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. No, so, that's a great point. That's an absolutely great point, Oleg. And I think that's the area where I still need to mature <laughs> for sure. <laughs> knowing one's limitations, but I do agree with you that in facing the fear, for me, it's been an important thing or it's become a skill of mine to do it. And that's mm-hmm. to just continue to face the unknown because that's what life is at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yeah. Just a, a bunch of unknown in a space that I believe is to be known to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is such a fine line in there somewhere where it's pushing past your, your own self-limiting beliefs of whatever it might be. And it might be something physical like we talked about, or it might be getting in front of people and speaking or whatever it might be, but then also getting, being in touch with what your actual limitations are. Uh, Maybe it's because in that season of life, you're not, you know, trained enough or conditioned enough to be able to do those things, but understanding that um, there's such a fine line in there, you know, and and luckily our body does give us the messages to tell us, Hey, this is not, but what we also have to be mature enough to listen to those messages. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And act upon them. I I agree with you. I think there's so much more to learn. And I think there will always be more to learn Mm -hmm. than what I believe I know. And I think if anything, at the end of the day, conversations like these are critical mm-hmm. to learning because yeah. they give me the space to freely express what I believe I know to this particular point. But then at the same time, they raise a lot of questions, questions about things that I have no idea yeah. or questions to explore mm-hmm. that I'm genuinely interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this one more place I wanted to go with, with you on this topic. Um, and there's so many more, <laughs> there's so many more branches we can go off on, right. When it comes to this, but uh, definition of a success, you know, I think that as I've matured, I realized that my definition of success has changed. And for me, I was more achievement based when I was younger. And I think there's a reason for that because, you know, you're striving to get to a place where you can, uh, you have to get to a place before you can start being creative about it. Right. You gotta be a cook before you can be a chef. You might have to go through the steps. Right. But for me, um, as I've matured, my definition of success moved from, 
um, achievements to contentment and happiness. Now, what that looks like for different people, I always say, you know, the white picket fence is different for everybody, but um, I think that that's shifted, but just the whole paradigm of, okay, no, I got to keep on achieving this. I got to get this rank. I got to get this promotion. I got to get, you know, here or whatever. And then I realized that doesn't necessarily translate to happiness. And, Mm -hmm. and for me, what, what, what is success without being able to be at least content with where you're at? So that's something that kind of developed within me as I start seeing the world through adult eyes, I was wondering what your perspectives on that is. I think for me, it starts with being able to find my own sense of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So the things that truly bring me joy, the things that inspire me and Mm -hmm. being able to act upon them and actually do them, whether it's on a daily basis, monthly, whatever the frequency is, that's the first thing that comes to mind. The second thing is reaffirming myself that and I was the same exact way mm-hmm. for many chapters of my life. I was so focused on achievement and I thought that the more I did, the more I was. Mm, yeah. And then I started to realize that there's actually a critical word in the human being that was forgotten and it's the being. Yeah. I reframed it into human doing. I thought that human doing equaled human being, but that's mm. not always the case. Yeah. So I was the same exact way for many chapters. I I was constantly striving for achievement, all of these milestones, what I call the trophies in my trophy case. Right. The reality of the matter is what I've realized is this concept of success, in my opinion, it's a choice that I can make every single day. It's Mm -hmm. a choice that I wake up to. And I literally reaffirm myself that I'm already successful just by getting out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. Now it may seem like a small task, but at the same time, it's all a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. My success is different than your success and that's okay. There is no good. There's no bad. There just is. Right. So what I strive for now is I strive for that fulfillment. I strive for that peace, mm-hmm. the inner peace of feeling comfortable in myself, in knowing what I know, also knowing that there's so much more to know, feeling comfortable in, that, in how I handle certain situations, mm-hmm. and also understanding the areas that I personally feel the need to improve in, mm-hmm. whether it's conflicts or whatever that conversation may be. But that's what I've ultimately realized is I think this this answer to the question, it seems relatively easy to put together, but really with some thought, it's it's a complex question. Yeah. What is success to begin with? How mm-hmm. does one define that? And then from there, what do you do on a daily basis to achieve that particular state? Yeah. Because I think if anything, it's it's a state. It's like a roller coaster, like mm-hmm. a, a heightened state that I reach. And then I tell myself I'm successful. Mm-hmm. So I stop doing that. I, I don't strive for that anymore. And the only reason why is because with any roller coaster, if I'm constantly striving for an up, then I'm bound to hit a down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the 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 path to whether it's wisdom, enlightenment, or just adulthood, like we talked about, is asking yourself that question, right? Like, what is it? <laughs> you know, what does it even yeah. look like for me? And I think that's a, that's a great perspective to have as well. And it's hard to be in situations also, I think, when you're surrounded by conflicting thoughts or people of completely mm-hmm. opposing perspectives. Mm-hmm. This is where I think it ties to the other point that we were talking about our networks, And that's understanding one's own surroundings. For me, when I begin to understand that, I realize the importance of needing to pivot out of certain friendships or certain groups because they were influencing me that much. Yeah. 
So if I'm surrounded solely by people who focus on how to purchase the next house, how to start a family, how to get the dog, how to get the white picket fence, mm-hmm. when that doesn't align with my dream, what I was experiencing was constant tension. Mm-hmm. Constant tension right. of, should I be doing that? Yeah. Why am I not doing this? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Right. Am I not worthy? Am mm-hmm. I doing something wrong? So all of those thoughts... I think are important to have because there might be a grain of truth within each or maybe all of them. But at the same time, if I'm not surrounded by a group of people who have similar aspirations or visions, then I'm most likely going to create a plan that is not ultimately true to what I believe about myself. Right. And that ultimately leads to some type of suffering that's probably yeah. unneeded, right? Because that, exactly. that comparing to others is just uh, never a great route to go under. <laughs> but man, Oleg, this was such a great conversation. It definitely did not disappoint me one bit. It exceeded <laughs> every bit of my expectations. because I knew it was going to be a great conversation. And you are definitely the person I wanted to have it with. So I'm so grateful you came on. Now, thank you. Thank you for yeah. creating a space and thank you yeah. for doing everything that you yeah. do. And I actually didn't know that you're going to be 40. So I, yeah. I, I thought you were closer to my age. And- <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But hey, Oleg, how do uh, people uh, hear more from you? Um, where do they go visit? Best way is probably through Overcoming Odds. Mm-hmm. And that's just Google Overcoming Odds and you'll be able to find the websites, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media platform. And then outside of that, I would say LinkedIn personally, if you want to connect with me, if you feel like what we spoke about today resonated with you, or if you want to do a deeper dive into some of these other topics or concepts. So those are probably the best ways that people can connect with me. Yeah, I highly recommend um, connecting with Oleg on LinkedIn because you are going to have your mind blown. He, he throws out <laughs> these discussions and they become amazing conversations. Uh, so highly recommend doing that. And, um, you know, Oleg, I, I can't let you out with a new set of questions for a leadership rapid fire, yes, man. Please do. <laughs> All right. All right. Question number one, uh, something you use, maybe it's an item, maybe it's a tool, maybe it's software, whatever, right? Um, something you use to make yourself more effective. I think for me, it's a spreadsheet. I, I've literally over the years, I've learned how to use a spreadsheet to a point where I can plan out the actions that I have to take. The question within that has become the question. The challenging question is, are you accountable enough enough to actually stay true to that spreadsheet? And I think for me, most situations I am, Mm. there are definitely times where I slip up, but having some sort of visual that I can refer to on a daily basis helped me tremendously because not only am I able to see the details, but I can also see the larger picture at the same time. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Second question. What's a recent book, article, podcast, or any other medium um, that you found value in? The recent book that I have found value in that I just read, let me look at my audible, mm-hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon. Hmm. That is the recent book that that helped me shift my own perspective around money around financial abundance, around different ways to create wealth from thought alone, as Mm. well as the actual currency. So that's been transformational for me. I think the other book that comes to mind is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor mm. Frankl. Yeah, that's a seminal book. That's just, yeah. that's So all, everybody in the Lama Leadership Team loves that book. So Man's Search for Meaning is, uh, and the great Viktor Frankl, I mean, 
great perspectives. I mean, you can't, you can't get better than a, <laughs> I mean, a man who survived the Holocaust, a concentration camp, lost everything he had and is still finding ways to find meaning and value and growth and being able to help others. There's just, you know, that's just amazing. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Just thinking about putting yourself in that situation and realizing that, you know, most of us would never be able to live up to what he did, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just amazing. All right. Cool. Question number three. What is something you practice to center yourself when you're either angry, anxious, frustrated, or disappointed? Journal. Hmm. I, I turn to my journal. I, I've, I've realized the tremendous power in being able to write down these thoughts and detach them from my mind. Hmm. I, I don't know how it works, nor have I studied that fully, but there's something powerful about being able to write the put the thoughts on paper and understand that those are just thoughts. Those are yeah. thoughts that I'm going through. And most of the thoughts, especially when it comes to dealing with other people, once again, I think it was Casey or Scott that mentioned this in one of our recent conversations that stood out to me. It's me thinking about what they could possibly be thinking about. Right. It's not me thinking about their actual thoughts. It's me mm -hmm. thinking about what they're possibly thinking about. Mm. So in understanding that and then putting it down on paper, it just makes it that much easier. Yeah. Because yes, I might be experiencing anger, but it doesn't mean that you're experiencing anger. You might have mm -hmm. literally flipped the switch and said, okay, I'm on to the next situation in life. What's next? Right. Yeah. Oh, um, the Julia Cameron is the artist's way, a great program that helps mm -hmm. you um, clear out some of those negative thoughts that might be going in your counterproductive thoughts, I'll say. And, yeah. um, and it's a lot of journaling every day. And initially when I started it, I was like, why am I writing all these like just terrible thoughts about myself and stuff down. But, and I was like, am I doing this wrong? And I realized that, no, they actually say that that's a great way to yeah. you're unloading it. So you're unblocking your own creativity when you're doing yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so it's pretty awesome. Journaling is great. All right. Final question. Um, this is a deep question. All right. At the Lama lounge, we believe in, um, you know, beginning with the end in mind, like the great late Dr. Stephen Covey would say beginning with the end in mind. So, what do you want the people closest to you to say about you at your 80th birthday celebration? That I showed up as I truly am. Mm. That mm. I never hid anything from them. That I never chose not to say what I truly felt inside or what was on my mind. That I made a difference in their lives. That I inspired them to be a better person. That I helped them see a world through a different lens. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, 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 you know, the reason why we ask people to answer that, because when you answer that question, then you can think, unless you know what that is, you're not going to be able to execute the things you need to do to yeah. make that truth. Right. So, yeah. uh, so, so love it. Thank you so much, Oleg, man. It's been amazing having you on and we, we, I'm going to come up with another fascinating topic so we can do this again soon, man. It's going to be awesome, man. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Yeah. All right. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.